Hey there, this is Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast Walking with Dante, a podcast that has walked all the way up to the gate of Mount Purgatory itself. We are in Canto 9 of the second canticle, Purgatorio, of Dante's masterwork, Comedy. We are going to be at this gate for three episodes of this podcast before we even get into or even close to its portal. That's because Dante oh, devotes so much time to this gate itself. Here we're going to approach it. Then in the next episode, we'll see the angel sitting at it and hear what he has to say. And then we'll have an entire episode about the three steps up to the gate. Indeed, three steps. We're taking this so slowly. (laughs) I know, slow walking. Because Dante himself seems to spend so much time on it. And Dante himself will tell us to take it very slowly, so we're going to follow his lead. This is my English translation of the Medieval Florentine. You can find it on my website, markscarborough.com or walkingwithdante.com. You can read along, and better yet, you can drop a comment there and continue the conversation with me about other issues that you might want to raise or other interpretive stances you might have or just questions you might have about these strange passages at the very gate of purgatory itself before we enter and find the souls purgating themselves or being purgated, oh, whether it's active or passive, is just such a huge question. I quail in front of it, but it lies still yet ahead of us. For now, the approach. We are at, again, line 64 through 78 of Canto 9 of Purgatorio. Like a man who finds reassurance in his doubts and finds his fear transformed into confidence when the truth is revealed to him, I myself changed. And when my guide saw that I was outside of worries, he started moving up the path, and I came along right behind him, headed for the heights. Reader, you certainly see how I'm raising the bar of my material. Don't marvel if I have to shore it up with more art. We pressed on until we got to the spot where at first it had seemed there might be a gap in the rocks or maybe a breach in the wall. I now saw a door with three steps that led up to it, each one a different color. The keeper of the gate hadn't yet uttered a word. A lot there to unpack. We want to talk a little bit about this change bit and Dante changed and how that goes on. If you remember in the last passage, he comes out of his sleep startled like Achilles, looking wide-eyed all around and pale with terror. Virgil tells him not to worry. In fact, if you remember, Virgil sprays him with aphorisms and explains the story of Lucy and how Lucy carried our pilgrim to this spot. So this is his then emotional reaction to the truth that Lucy has indeed carried him here. And his dream is, in fact, a poetic coding for what has actually happened. We want to talk about all of that. We want to talk about why it appears that the gate is opened at first and then it's not. And then we're going to finally finish off with the middle of this passage, the second address to the reader in Purgatorio, the one here that says that he's got to use more art to shore up what's ahead. 
This passage begins like a man who finds reassurance in his doubts and finds his fear transformed into confidence when the truth is revealed to him. I myself change. I want to stop here at actually the opening three words, like a man. What is so interesting here is when we get to the gate of purgatory, we start with a simile, but why is this a simile? It's the final poetic analogy in a long line of them stretching all the way back to Tereus and Procne and Philomel, well, maybe all the way back to the concubine of Tithonus, and we end here with a simile like a man. But if you just think about this for a second, there is no reason why this should be a simile. Dante finds reassurance in his doubts and finds his fear transformed into confidence when the truth is revealed to him. He doesn't need Need a simile for this. This is actually his internal state, <laughs> and it doesn't need to be put in a simile. What this tells us is that poetic language is the language of inner spaces. The bits about Tithonus, Terius, Procne, Philomel, Ganymede, Achilles, and now this. All that poetic language was actually the articulation of inner space. And when we get here, right at the moment of the big change, we still sit in simile. Personal change is put in poetic language. If I can get really high level here, poetic discourse carries internal change combination, internal reconfiguration. And so we have this simile that's not really a simile. I mean, it is. It starts with the word like. Yeah, this is just a retelling of the pilgrim's inner state. In fact, if you think about this just for a minute, this is the reverse of what we've been through. There, we had this highly symbolic dream, and then we had Virgil's explanation of the reality of it. Here, we start with a poetic explanation of the reality of it. This is actually what Dante feels. He's reassured in his doubts. His fears transformed into confidence. And then we move out from here. It's almost a chiasmus, an X, almost as if poetic to real, real, and then what? To more real? It's a little bit of a strange structural problem, but it's so curious that this internal transformation has to be put in a simile, in poetic language, or to use the very fancy terms, poetic discourse. Why is that? So it can land on line 67. I myself changed. Me cambia io. I want to talk about this just for a second, but in order to talk about this, I want to go clear back to Achilles. Remember Achilles in the dream? Dante wakes up as Achilles did, that is, with his eyes all wide open and staring all around. And we talked about Achilles and Statius and Achilles in women's clothes and being dropped at the island of Skyros by his mother. There's a lot more I could have said about that, but I was saving it for this moment. If you think about Achilles being carted off in his sleep to Skyros by his mother, Achilles then rather loses this maternal connection and then takes up with Ulysses and Diomedes. So there is a slight hint behind all of that of losing Virgil, of losing a familial connection by being carried to safety. We might, given the Achilles reference there, 
think that Virgil has disappeared, but then Virgil has not disappeared. Also, we should say that if we take that Achilles imagery for itself, that's putting Dante in the position of the great hero Achilles. (laughs) You talk about hubris. There's some hubris for you. It's one thing for Dante to be Ganymede. It's another thing for him to be Achilles. But somehow he is connected up with this heroic figure, this unbelievably grandiose warrior. And in fact, the poetry ahead of us is grandiose and requires almost a warrior attitude out of the poet. Thus, I myself changed. Mi cambia io. And what's so interesting here is that that verb, you might have heard it if you know anything of Romance languages, that verb is reflexive. I changed myself. Now, in medieval Florentine, that reflexive can be used as an emphatic tense. I was really changed, truthfully changed. And that's probably what it means here. It probably carries a big intensity underneath it. And yet, at the same time, it's still sitting there as a reflexive. And Dante has even foregrounded it by reversing the order of the pronouns. It's not yo mi cambia or yo cambia mi. It's mi cambia yo. So the subject is behind the verb and therefore we really see it as a reflexive construction. There is a confusion of subject and object here. Subject being yo and the object of a reflexive verb being me itself. I myself changed. There's a confusion of subject and object and without getting way high up into grammar discourse, let's just say that this is much like the confusion of poetic language and reality that goes on in the poem itself. And furthermore, the change arises in the pilgrim. The change is not predicated on the events around the pilgrim, but is instead an internally motivated and internally driven change. I think that is why there is a simile to begin this passage, because the emphasis then really falls on me cambia yo, both for emphasis and to make us understand that the poet is changing willfully and subject and object are confusing in the verb tense in order for the poet to fully control the material ahead. And the material ahead is rough. As I told you, we're going to skip that address to the reader, and we're just going to pass on. They're heading for the heights, and we're going to pretend there's no address to the reader, and we want to look at these heights for a minute. We pressed on until we got to the spot where at first it had seemed there might be a gap in the rocks or maybe a breach in the wall. What had at first appeared as an opening is in fact not. Think about it this way. Think about it, uh, let's say, like the um, opening of a church, the entrance to a cathedral. You might have that arch and you see it from afar. 
And when you get up close to it, you notice that at the bottom of the vaults of the arches, there are those doors and those are closed. You might think about it that way, but it's still curious that Virgil had seemed to indicate that there was a gap in the rocks or it was opened up. And now we come to it and it's not open. I don't think this is a comment on Virgil. I think it's a comment on the gate itself, the door ahead of us. That is, it appears to be open. We should then contrast it to the gate of hell, but it is in fact closed. The reason I say we should contrast it to the gate of hell is the gate of hell is wide open and unguarded. This is in fact uh, at first appearance open, but in fact closed and guarded. Those differences are really important. It's rather easy to stumble (laughs) into the mouth of hell. But this, while it gives the appearance of openness, is in fact not so. And as we see, there is a keeper of the gate. And this is our first sight of the angel who sits here. And this angel is is a very important angel in Purgatorio, but we'll have to wait for the next episode of the podcast to get to that bit. Let's go back to it. The address to the reader. Reader, you'll certainly see how I'm raising the bar. Now, that certainly is a little weird. Doesn't the poet trust himself? It's like saying, you surely understand that I meant to say. It's that surely indicates either a condescension or a bit of a, what discontent on my part, a bit of inferiority on my part, and I'm trying to overcompensate for it. I, it's an interesting adverbial problem here. The certainly, I think the answer is easier than some kind of psychological dis at the reader. I think that the answer is probably you've got to get this right. You you surely know now that I have to raise the bar of my material. And he says, don't marvel if I have to shore it up with more art. This is, as I said, the second address to the reader. It comes in the exact middle of Canto 9, and it comes just after the address to the reader in Canto 8 at lines 19 through 21, where that address was how easy it is to pierce the veil of the allegory. I take it as the allegory, but pierce the veil of meaning. This seems more off-putting. That is how easy it is. This is, uh uh-oh, things are about to get harder. There are two questions available to us from this address to the reader. One is, um, what is that Dante's raising the bar? Or how is he shoring it up with more art? And you can either say he's doing the più arte, the more craft, the more art, because the quality of the art is getting better, or the sheer quantity of the art is getting better. In other words, the allegory is getting deeper, more difficult. That would be the quality. Or there's just going to be a lot more of it. It's going to come at us more thickly and more quickly. Those are the two different ways you can answer this, and I don't have an answer. Dissertations are written to answer that question. Is it the quality of the art that is raised, or is it the quantity of the art that is raised? There's a second question, and it's a little easier to answer. Mm, It doesn't have a firm 
answer, but I mean, it's a little easier to understand. And that is, does this address to the reader refer to this passage in Purgatorio or does it refer to everything ahead of us? Is this a warning set here to say, okay, the rest of this canto is going to get a little tough, which it does. Or is it to say, okay, from here on out, things are going to get a lot more tough all the way out through Paradiso. I think that question is interesting to consider, and we could probably sit around with a glass of wine and talk about it endlessly, but I don't think we could ever reach a firm conclusion. That's my opinion. Instead, I'd like to redirect this whole address to the reader to the structure of the passage. Why is it here? Just think about what happens. There's the whole dream sequence. There's the Lucy explanation. There's waking up afraid. There's being uh, shored up by Virgil. There's being, you know, bucked up by Virgil. And then there's this huge change, mi cambia io, in which all the fear dries out of the pilgrim and he is refreshed with confidence. That then leads to this address to the reader. Dante wants the same change that happened to him to happen to the reader, except it's in a different format. Dante went through that dream feeling as if it was very terrifying and he was lost and he burned up with the eagle in the sphere of fire and woke up dead afraid and then was reassured. You're not going to have that experience, but you're going to have that experience with the poetry. You're going to feel as if the poetry is going to get hard, but Dante is telling you, have confidence, read fearlessly. In other words, follow my example of what I did in the narrative as you're reading the poem. And given what we know at the end of this canto, that is some notes you hear and some notes you don't when singers sing with an organ or some of the passages you understand and some of the passages are covered up by the organ. That's the way that you should carry on here. You should say, okay, this is going to get tougher, but I'm going to charge ahead into it. And I think that's why this address to the reader is placed right here, right in the middle of the change. I think it's really important that this address to the reader comes after Dante says, I myself changed. Then Dante is asking you to change, charge fearlessly into what will appear some very fearsome material ahead of us, some very thick allegories, and on farther ahead of us, some very tough philosophical discussions that even involve medieval notions of embryology, cosmology, and how a soul can actually be seen in the air around it. That's a lot to say, and oh, it's enough to make anybody kind of quake and say, oh no, what's ahead of us? Well, there's a lot, but before that, let's read this passage one more time. Purgatorio, Canto 9, line 64 through 78. Like a man who finds reassurance in his doubts and finds his fear transformed into confidence when the truth is revealed to him, I myself changed. 
And when my guide saw that I was outside of worries, he started moving up the path, and I came along right behind him, headed for the heights. Reader, you'll certainly see how I'm raising the bar of my material. Don't marvel if I have to shore it up with more art. We pressed on until we got to the spot where at first it had seemed there might be a gap in the rocks or maybe a breach in the wall. I now saw a door with three steps that led up to it, each one a different color. The keeper of the gate hadn't yet uttered a word. Well, there we are at the gate of purgatory. We finally got here and we have gotten a brief glimpse of the angel he lies ahead of us in the next episode of walking with dante to get there please subscribe to this podcast and if you are willing please give it a rating (laughs) can i ask for five stars please i'm raising the bar of my material can i ask for it and furthermore if you could write a review on any platform you're on that accepts reviews that would be terrific because it really helps the podcast in its algorithmic orientations i know gross it's the modern world let's go back to the medieval world well no let's not i like penicillin let's stay in the modern world so just write that review and otherwise we'll take the next steps right up to that angel at the gate in the next episode of walking with dante i'm mark scarborough i'll see you there Thank you.